Good morning. Good to see all you guys here this morning. We had uh, our 830 service was packed, and I didn't know why until I looked at all like the powder blue jerseys that were sitting out in the crowd. Oh, you guys are here early to watch football? That's fine. And I prayed a blessing over them that their team would win. I do the same for you. Way, Way to be here on a big football day. I hope your team wins. Uh, Hillary, my wife, is from Seattle, so we were excited about the Seahawks yesterday. I don't know if you care about that, but that's a good one. Um, we're starting this series, and I'm glad that you're here. This is going to be a fun series uh, called Beautiful Mess, and it's because our relationships are messy. It doesn't matter kind of how old you are, what you have experienced yet, you have already seen and experienced that relationships are messy, from parents to kids to dating to marriage to just friendships in general. Life's just messy, and you don't have to look very far in our culture to see it as well. Relationships, sexuality, it's all just become a big mess. If you watch football today, you will see commercials, and in those commercials, you will see sex selling web hosting, hamburgers, I mean, just pretty much anything you can think of, they'll use sex somehow to try and sell that thing. And when you're on your Facebook, you'll see little ads on the right-hand side, and they'll be like scantily clad women or just like yoked out dudes, and they'll be selling insurance, you know? I mean, I'm totally serious. They're just trying to get click-throughs with sex, and that's the culture that we live in. People are living for their desires, and there's this philosophy that just, just, just to indulge and express yourself openly and with freedom, and we don't really understand where that leads us. Marriages are failing. We see that happening across the country. It's 50% divorce rate for marriages. In California, it's 60%. And in Orange County, it's 70% of marriages will fail. They're a mess, relationships are a mess. And then it's our kids who pay the price and it's just on and on. We have a messy world that we live in. And here's the thing. We're not here to talk about how we are going to withdraw from this messy world and go live in a compound somewhere away from the ocean and and create this own little like life in of, of itself with people who just do the same That's not what we're doing. We're taking a look at God's redemptive plan for this mess, that he has an original design and that he's still redesigning all the time and recreating and finding beauty. God is creating beauty out of mess. We see that in the original design right here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. The Bible says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, what do you know about people that you hang out with? You have friends that you spend time with and, you know, have fun with, usually because they have common interests, right? There's something similar about them. You guys laugh at the same jokes, you like the same movies, you watch the same sports, you play the same sport, whatever it is. We hang out with and are friends with people who are like us. So what does it say about God that he designed you like him? He designed you to be in relationship with you. 
The God of the universe created you in his image. Not that you would be a God, but you would be like him, similar to him. Have his imprint on your soul. That you would be friends. That you would be in relationship. Genesis chapter 2 says this. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from that tree, you will certainly die. Remember that. And then verse 18, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So from the very beginning, God designed us for relationship with him. And then he says, I want to make a helper suitable. I want you to be in relationship. I want you to be a pair. I want, I want you to be together. I want you guys to do life together with me and with each other. That's been the plan from the very beginning. We need relationships. But even if you don't believe the Bible, if you're here and you're just checking things out, or if you've had bad experiences with people who have kind of thumped the Bible at you, and you don't, I'm not sure what, what you believe, you don't have to right now, but just, just listen and think, maybe there's stuff in this that makes sense. Just stick with me and see if your mind can kind of just, you know, re reconcile some of these things and see how it plays out in our world based on what Scripture says. Because... We ended up rebelling against God. He said, remember, don't eat from this one tree. Don't eat the fruit of this one tree. It's the knowledge of good and evil. And so his, his whole goal was that we would just trust him in relationship. Just trust. Just don't do this one thing. You can have this garden. You rule over all creation. Just don't do this one thing. But we did the one thing, and we doubted God, and we wanted to take matters into our own hands. And in doing so, our eyes were open to the knowledge of good and evil because we wanted to decide what was good for us and what was bad for us. And since then, life has become a mess. This become this mess of people wanting to do their own thing and do what's right in their own eyes. And I think that this is fine, and you can think that's fine, and I'm going to decide what's good and evil for me. And God's design was that we would just trust him. I'm the designer, he said. Just go with me on this. This is going to be better for you. Just trust me. So why is it that every woman in here grew up wanting to find a guy they could trust? All men, all of us, want to find people that we can trust, and it's really difficult to. Why are we inauthentic with people? Because we don't trust people. And it's gone, it's back to this. It's because of that, that trust was originally broken when God said, hey, just trust me. Just trust me in this. And we trusted ourselves, and since then, the whole thing has been a mess. God's design is that we were in relationship with him, and that that relationship would flow into all of our other relationships, and they would be healthy. So in this series, we're going to talk about other relationships. We're going to talk about friendships. We're going to talk about dating relationships and marriage relationships and parenting and, and everything else in between. But today, we're starting off with this simple foundational reality, and that's who God created you to be. Who you are as you enter into relationship with God and relationship with others. And we need to establish this. And we, to establish it, we go back to the beginning one more time from Genesis 2, 19 and 20. It says this. Now, the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. 
But for Adam, for the first human, there was no suitable helper found. So God designs animals in the beginning. He tells man, he tells the human, I want you to oversee. I want you to, to kind of take care of my creation. That's your job. And he brings all the animals in front, and Adam names them. You know, that's how that, we got all the creation. Adam named the animals. But then God says there was not a suitable helper for Adam. What does that mean? It means that you are not an animal. This is going to be awkward, but I want you to say this with me. I, wait, wait, I'll wait for you. I want you to say it out loud. I am not an animal. Pull out your notes. I want you to write it down. I am not an animal. I am not an animal. Contrary to most popular influences, especially the ever-twerkable Robin Thicke, you are not an animal. Lines are blurred, I recognize. <laughs> and yet, you are not an animal. You are not an animal. God designed animals, and then he designed you. You are not an animal. When I was in college, I played volleyball, and I lived with volleyball guys, and I saw a lot of animalistic behavior. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not just in college, since then, but you, you, know, you know what I mean. There, we, there were some good-looking guys, and there was like a seemingly an ongoing parade of women coming through the apartment. When we were on, when we were on road trips, the guys would go to strip clubs. And they were, this is just what we do. We're guys, they would say. We, would just, we go to strip clubs. It's what we do. Have you ever heard someone say, I just have these urges. I just have needs. I just have these desires. I have to explore them. I have to fulfill them. I have to satisfy them. And we think that in doing so, we're, we're finding freedom or we're exploring our nature and whatever else. We don't realize that we're becoming less human. No, we're becoming more like, like animals. I know. I, I, I know about this because when, when my... Uh, when my buddies would say, hey, we're going out to strip clubs, I'd be like, no, I, you know, I'm not an animal. I can't, I can't indulge in that kind of behavior. And I'll go back to the hotel and look at porn, which is no better. Because I had this thing in me. I had this, this same urges and desires, and I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't, I didn't want to have these outward expressions that everybody else did that looked like animals and that looked like they had no self-control, and yet they were in me, but I felt like I had to be perfect. I felt like I had to have it all together, and I didn't know how to handle that. When we give in to those desires and those urges, we become less of ourselves. The more we give in to desire, the further we get, further we get away from design. And... What happens is, or I'll just tell you what happens to me, when, when I'm giving in to urges and desires and those things, I tend to overeat, which is fun in the moment and then feels bad later. When I was a younger person, I dated people that I didn't even like, but because of the urges, when then both of us end up feeling badly later. I watched, I have watched things that I shouldn't watch and look at things that I shouldn't look at and stay up later than I should. And then the next morning, I don't feel good. 
Or you give in to something like pornography or whatever it is because you have this urge, and then it becomes an addiction. And the thing that you are expressing yourself in in some form of freedom literally becomes slavery. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food, and this is true. Well, someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. God has a design for you and for your body. And there's good news. You're not an animal, and you don't have to be a slave to your desires. But like me, maybe you have found, even though I'm not an animal, I'm also not an angel. I'm also not an angel. And there are people, there are people that when they, they're, they're church people or they grow up thinking that, you know, that Christians or people that follow Jesus are supposed to be perfect, they shouldn't have these things. And so they're usually the more judgmental, the more hypocritical people, and they think that they're supposed to look like angels, and they end up having secret lives of sin, like I did. They end up judging the more animalistic behavior on the exterior, but they don't realize that it's happening in them too. We are not animals. We are also not angels. Psalm 8, 4 and 5 says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. So we're not animals and we're not angels. We're somewhere in this messy, human middle. And here's the game changer. Here's, here's where the hope is. Here's where everything changes and starts to become a little bit more clear. Hebrews 2 says this. Since the children are people, talking about us, with physical bodies, Jesus himself became like us. He did this so that by dying on a cross, he could destroy the one who has the power of death, the devil, and free those who were like slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. Clearly, it is not the angels that Jesus helps, but those who are from Abraham, those who are humans. So Jesus became like a person. He became like you and me, a human, to relate to us so that he experienced the things that we experience. Not in angels, not in animals. He became a human like us. And he died for us so that he could save all of us from our sin. He lived the only perfect life that we cannot live because we are going to screw up. We have, we are, we will. He didn't, and he died so that we would have our sins forgiven. And he says, it's not the angels that I came to help. It's you. It's the humans. Then verse 17, for this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers and sisters, us, in every way so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest in service of God. 
then Jesus could die in their place and take away their sins. Friends, angel isn't even the goal. What do do you get to experience that angels don't get to experience? God's mercy. You get to experience, we get to experience God's grace. Angel isn't the goal. We're gloriously, wonderfully human. Even though it's messy, we get to experience his mercy, that he takes away our sins. Even in this messy world when we're trying to figure out which way is which and and in this culture that's confusing, he takes away your sin. So then the question is, so what you're saying then is that I can pretty much do whatever I want then. If like my sins are all forgiven and I can be forgiven still and fine, right? Maybe, maybe. And yet, what happens when you indulge the desires is that you continue to get further and further away from your design. When you indulge the urges, you become less human. You think you're going toward freedom, but it's actually leading you into more bondage. Pornography literally rewires your mind, and you become less human. Picking people apart, if you're someone who begins to just look at people as objects, and you're assessing their different attributes and body parts, and that's how you view people now, you've become less human. If you analyze your own self that way and you're always trying to figure out how, how can I be better? How can I be hotter? I need some new, I need some work done. I need to be enhanced. I need to be all this kind of stuff. The danger is that down that road, you become less human, less of who you were designed to be. Or the person that thinks that their urges and desires mean that they can roam around and not have to be faithful to just one person. You become more animalistic. You just do, and less human. So Jesus says that all these things are forgiven. You're in this messy middle. You're not an animal. You're not an angel. You're forgiven by this Jesus. And then in verse 18, he goes on to say, because he himself suffered... When he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So you will still be tempted, but you are not a slave to that temptation anymore. You don't have to indulge all your desires. You don't have to give in to all your urges. He is not only wiping your slate clean and forgiving all your sins. He is there to support you in making better, healthier decisions to be who he designed you to be in the moment, in the reality, and in the mess of life. Because the more you give in to your desires, the further you get from his design for you. I have a friend who I grew up with, went to school with when we were younger, and sharp girl, she was a great family, and she moved to L.A. when she graduated from college, and she was pursuing acting and wanted to be in that industry and do that thing. And, and I, I think she had a little bit of success. She ended up marrying a guy who directed m- smaller movies. And 
in their journey together, they decided that they wanted to explore more of a liberation of their love, and they wanted to have an open marriage and have their relationship be open, and they can have relationships also with other people, not just them. And um, it, I don't know how long it lasted, a year or so, and then she had an affair with his best friend, and they quickly realized that that whole arrangement doesn't work. And, uh, and they ended up going through a divorce with two children, and it's been very messy, and she has, in her pursuit of finding and fulfilling herself and figuring out, she created quite a mess for herself. And she said to me after the fact, she said, um, in my pursuit of self-discovery and freedom from institution and obligation, I wandered far from God, and I actually lost myself. When we go down those roads, even, if, even though we're forgiven of all sins when we, when we trust Jesus, we just become less of ourselves. We become less of who he designed us to be. There's a story about a chief who has the young men in the village, they come and they sit at his feet once a week and they are by the fire and he just shares lessons about life and becoming men and all this kind of stuff. And for these young men, one evening he was telling them about the two wolves that are inside of them. He says you have these two drives, these two desires, these two competing forces inside of all of you and they're like two wolves. One wolf is a good wolf. He's a protector. He's a helper. He's strong. He's good. He desires good for other people. He leads you in a way that's right and strong. And then you have another wolf. This wolf is bad. This wolf is evil. This wolf devours. He'll devour every relationship that you have. He'll take you down paths that you actually don't want to go. He just always is hungry and always is consuming. And, he, and both of these wolves are warring at each other inside of you all the time. And these young guys are looking, they're sitting there like, well, crap. What, I, 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 one of the kids re- raises up his hand to the chief, and he says, well, which one wins? And the chief looks at him, and he says, the one you feed. We're feeding one or the other all the time. Either our connection to this God who designed us, or this other desire to do our own thing, to pursue our own right and wrong, good and evil, what we think in our minds it's about. All the time we're feeding one or the other. What are you feeding? If you're looking to make a change in that department, some really, you're off to a good start being here, I encourage you to sign up for Rooted, to just... Feed your connection with God. Because there's hope today. There's hope that you can change. There's hope that you can be healed from past decisions that you have made, from past decisions that others have made that have impacted you. There's hope today that you are forgiven. There's hope today that you don't have to be a slave to your desires, to your urges anymore. You don't have to be. 
You can be who God designed you to be. You can start again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. That when you start, when you walk with this Jesus, he is recreating you. That you don't have to fall into those same patterns. You don't have to be a slave to the desires. He's redesigning you. He wipes the slate clean. You are forgiven, and he's remaking you to be who he always created you to be. I brought someone, a friend of ours, with us today. She shared with us a year and a half ago about her story, and I wanted her to come back on today uh, to give us a reminder, a glimpse, but also to encourage us. She lives in this story of new creation, and she goes in and she invites other people, other women specifically, to know who they were designed to be in God. Would you please welcome Jamie? Hi. Hi. Jamie. So you were here with us like a year and a half ago, but a lot of these people either forgot or weren't here yet. So would you give us just like a quick little recap of your story? Okay, a little recap of my story a year and a half ago when I shared was that um, I grew up in a broken home. Um, I grew up with two parents who didn't know how to truly love who they were, so they couldn't give love to their children. And so I grew up with an absentee father that I never felt love from and a mom that just was so broken. She kind of pushed out how she felt about herself and, and kind of just used her words to destroy her children. And um, so looking for love, I, I looked to anything and everything to fill that void that I didn't feel within my, or I didn't feel within myself. And so um, I looked to worldly things. I looked to, to like to increase that desire that I felt within, as Caleb talked about. And um, I looked to, um, you know, men and sex and drugs and until that, that world, those desires that I started to like fill with other things except for God um, led me into a strip club. And um, in that world, um, six months into it, I grew up not having any money, so I didn't know what it was like to... Um, um, to have to have money, and so I um, I thought that that would that would give me that that desire that that sense of like empowerment and control, and I could control men because men in my life um, in the past had always hurt me. So I thought I had could use my sexuality to control men because I, I figured my sexuality was the only thing that I had to offer, and so I fed that desire a lot until about six months into that world, I started to feel. Um, I started to experience a lot of sexual abuse, uh, emotional abuse, physical abuse. I was addicted to a lot of different drugs. And um, I was exploited on a regular basis by a lot of the men in that industry. And so it left me into this spiraling, um, broken three years of just a crashing bottom. Yeah. And, well, so, and then that rock bottom hit, and, and then what happened? And then God came and sought me in the clubs because I didn't know how to seek him, and he can do that. <laughs> and so um, you think God just comes in church. He comes in other areas. Um, <laughs> he comes in strip clubs, so be prepared. <laughs> um, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> and uh, that's what he did for me. And, um, and I hit my bottom, and I looked up and found God, and I, I walked out of those clubs, and he took away... He took away the desire to, um, to numb myself with drugs and alcohol, with, um, with men and um, with money. And um, he, he gave me a career that I, I was actually good at. And um, I became a hairdresser. And I, I started this business for the last 10 years. And, 
And it was exactly what, um, it was just exactly what I felt like I was designed to do. Um, I was good at it. I was good at something besides using my sexuality. And, um, but the thing was is I didn't trust God with all of everything and uh, all of myself because I never shared the secret that I worked in strip clubs. And um, I had that past. I mean, and a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, I actually um, got into Rooted. So when they talk about Rooted, I highly suggest if you haven't checked it out, check it out. And, um, but I got into Rooted, and God did something funny in there. He, um, he started to pursue me to share my story. And um, I was so much shame of that story. I mean, because the church, especially the church, I thought would judge me. And I thought all of you people would, would uh, be disgusted by who I was. So I, I was terrified to share it. But he kept pursuing me. He's really good at that. And um, he doesn't give up, you know. And um, even though I was a Christian, I had a, I had a persona that no one was going to know. And I was this one girl. But I really had this dark secret. Um, and I, I trusted him. And I actually shared that story. And what I had found was... He gave me the perfect group in Rooted because they all had their own crap, you know? They all had their own stuff. And mine wasn't so bad either, you know? It was great. And so they started sharing. And, um, and um, I started going, oh, my God, I'm not alone. You know, you know, you have your secrets. I got mine. And yours you think are really bad. And I think they're nothing. And I think mine's so catastrophic. And, and you're like... You know, and uh, I'm thinking it's so bad. You're like, it's nothing. And so, and I got to experience this, this, um, this world of, like, love by people in the church. And a year and a half ago, I got to share here. And this was my first example in a public setting at a church. And, and that was terrifying um, because God wanted me to go back. By the end of Rudy, he wanted me to go back and be the light for these women and go on outreach and love them and support them. But I, had to, I knew I had to share my story. So this was my first experience and I was terrified, I have to say. But this church, you guys, how were so loving to me. I came up here shaking, you know, and walked out these doors, and all of you shared your stories with me, and all of you gave me love and support. And, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a, a story that, you know, um, that I'm going to go back and reach the homeless, or I'm going to go, you know, support the people in Mexico. You know, that's a feel-good kind of, like, surface, not surface, but, like, you know what I'm saying? It's not this dark, gritty, raw, authentic, like, ooh, it's kind of ugly and messy, you know, kind of, like, world that I was going to go back in and support because I had that story. And you guys loved me anyway and, and supported me and didn't make me feel different. I felt a part of. And the church was something I was so afraid of to share, and, and you guys gave me that gift. And so mm-hmm. over the next year and a half, you gave me courage to go back, and now I get to go and speak and share my story, and we get to go back into the strip clubs on the front line and show the women who Christ is and be the light for him and that there's another option. And I realized over that last year and a half that I am not defined by my past. I am actually defined by who I am in Christ and that he made me, and that I am beautifully, wonderfully made by him. And he had a perfect design for me. And when I started feeding, as Caleb said, the good wolf, the wolf that was supportive and, um, and had good in them and wanted was God's design instead of that, that darker wolf that I used to feed, I found my freedom from my bondage of my secret. And I found clarity, and I found wholeness, and I felt love for who I was because I came to a point in my life 
or I wanted to die. I didn't want to live the way I was living anymore. That's what my stuff did. It, it left me homeless. It left me on drugs. It made me want to kill myself. And today, I'm so grateful I never made that decision. And God came in and, and found me in a strip club and changed my life. And I'm just so grateful I get to continue and God wasn't done. And now I get to go and, and reach women and, and, and get to be a part of his plan for my life. So thank you. You're so <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Uh, Jamie will be out on the patio afterwards, and you can, you can talk to her. You can learn more about the divine ministry that she leads and about her story. I want to finish with these few verses here, 2 Corinthians 5. 18 to 20, it kind of summarizes what Jamie was saying. All of this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, through Jesus, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing what he is still doing. We're Christ's representatives. We're Christ's representatives. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Friends, you are not an animal. You don't have to live for your desires and your urges. You're not going to be perfect. You're not an angel either. But you don't have to be a slave here. And you don't have to be fake here. We live in this wonderfully messy middle of being human. That we get to experience uniquely God's grace and his mercy. That he forgives us all of our sins. And that he doesn't just stop there. He's remaking us. Making us new creations all the time. And then giving us the mission in this world of being his representatives. Being his ambassadors. Sharing that good news and that hope with everyone around us. That they don't have to be slaves to their addictions. They don't have to spiral down those dark holes and paths and lose hope in life itself. They don't have to be fake and think that they have to be angelic and perfect. They can live in this messy middle and know that we're not perfect, but we don't have to live here, that God has paid for all of our sins, and that we are being made new all the time. That is who you are. On your outline, I put at the bottom, I'm not an animal. I'm also not an angel. I am beautifully human, created in God's image, a new creation, God's representative. Let it be true for you. God, I pray that you would give us the awareness of this truth, that you would let it just really settle in, that we would believe it in our core, that we would know that you're making us new, that you don't condemn us, judge us, or throw us off. You are desiring to make us new, give us new life, and invite other people into the same. Would you give us that sense of peace, that sense of confidence, that sense of your love, that we are forgiven, that we are wonderfully, though sometimes messy, humans. In Jesus' name.